Hello and welcome to Where's the Exit, the podcast that helps tech leaders leverage their IP to maximise their exit value. I'm your host, Steve Blake, and today I'm joined by David Park. Welcome to the show, David. Hi there, Steve. How are you? Great. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good to be here. Good. Now, for for listeners that don't know you already, I know you very well because we've got history. Maybe we'll get into that. Um, But for listeners that don't know you already, can you just give us um, a bit of an explanation about what you do now, what you've done in the past, what's led you to to this point and being on this show? Sure. Uh, Apart from your very polite invitation, which was great. The combination Um, of life's work. Absolutely. This is the (laughs) pinnacle for me. Um, So I'm, I'm... I'm, my current role is I'm a professor of practice at Nottingham University Business School. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So trying to bring decades of real world experience, um, starting companies and community interest companies uh, in the UK and New Zealand, uh, and actually now trying to ruin the lives of the great and the good. You know, so thousands of students <laughs> each year, um, hundreds of spin out and startup companies uh, yeah. and bringing a bit of, uh, you know, the life lessons Mm-hmm. Uh, to where they're at so I mean my background originally I did my um, two three degrees in engineering and science which is great um, yep. and then set up a variety I was involved in a variety of companies um, yep. all of which sat in that boundary between technology development R&D trying to commercialize that making something work in the um, yeah and so yeah I, I've learned not the hard way but I've learned gone from nothing around intellectual property yeah. and the value of business through to perhaps having a bit more sight as the uh, the hair has got gently more silver and disappeared. Yeah, I mean, there's a school of thought that I think I sort of feel fairly sympathetic towards, that it's sort of like learning the hard way. It's hard at the time, but it's the, you learn the best lessons that way. I mean, you know, doing 100%. easy stuff. I mean, if somebody came and told you it and did it all for you, then you wouldn't learn anything. It's only by getting in there and making the mistakes that you kind of, you get to the point. Uh, 100%. Where sort of and this is where I have to be careful with my career limiting willingness to speak openly. So uh, be gentle <laughs> with me, Steve. But um, it, it, it does make me laugh slightly that we have degrees in entrepreneurship, for example. Yeah. So I, there's actually, I can justify because there is real value and IP is one area, but you know, marketing, yeah. finance, learning the building blocks and the basics, there is a value to that. And part of me wishes I'd had more support training input earlier to avoid yeah. some of those inevitable mistakes but there is no replacement for going and giving it a go no i agree and that's maybe something um we can touch on in another podcast actually because mm. can you really learn how to be an entrepreneur i'm not so sure i think you've got you've kind of i've always said when training and there'll be people maybe listening to this that i have trained in the past that mm. are now rolling their eyes because they're having to listen to this again <laughs> but i've always said that train the best training is is committing as many non-fatal mistakes yeah as you as you can right yeah, yeah. non-fatal being important yeah yeah you, so stay legal jail or, stay yeah. legal stay <laughs> safe you know don't don't That's lose it. your house if you can avoid it but yeah uh, but make the mistakes and you only yeah. do that by kind of going for it and yeah That's and it's very my... hard in academia sorry to interrupt it's very hard yeah. in academia for example to recreate the actual real visceral pressure when yeah. your business or your yeah. baby is on the line, as it were. You know, yeah, you can put people in teams. You can say, oh, here's a challenge. Go and work on it. Here's a tight deadline. You know, that does not recreate, as we know, the reality no. of being out. No, no. So maybe there's something around the mechanics and you can learn stuff around cash flow management hmm. and and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, and and I, and I mean, you will have a better insight in into this than me. I mean, we're going to go through 
your business sort of mm, uh, your life cycle so through, through businesses but i mean I, i'm only one business in currently mm-hmm, you never know where mm-hmm. we might be in a few years time but <laughs> currently one business in whereas i guess for you um maybe you'd have a better insight but it's i imagine that each business presents a completely new set of challenges yeah it does and well. some of that's you know this is like desert island discs isn't it i'm gonna just sit back and relax <laughs> now and just tell you my life story um so there's probably three or four of the businesses or activities I've been involved with over the last 20-25 years that yeah. might be interesting to touch on. From that very first one with two other guys, and we didn't really know what we were doing, and you know, it was all a bit seat of the pants at time. But you learn a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. This is without any formal business training. You know, a, a civil engineering degree is wonderful. A master's yeah. in AI, amazing. <laughs> a PhD in digital photogrammetry, yeah, that will give you all the qualifications you need to go and run a successful, profitable startup. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you know, there was great lessons learned, as you, as you suggested, through to then the next company that I set up in New Zealand, where I actually did know a bit more. You know, there was proper board, there was proper uh, legal agreements around everything from IP and who was bringing what foreground background. It was a bit more advanced, and we did a few yeah. things a bit better. Um, through to the one after that, where actually the IP was the core of the business. We were doing it properly with proper external support. We were leveraging what we did there into multi-million-dollar deals with FTSE 100 company, and we could yeah. not have done that without doing yeah. all of the business activities correctly through to where I yeah. find myself now um, helping others, you know, signposting to others and sharing yeah. some of the war stories of how not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, so should we start at the beginning and let's talk about that mm. first business, you and two of mm. the two of the guys and yeah. tell me a bit about the business. What was the tech? First of all, it was a technology business. I assume. Yeah, it was a technology um, business. So it was originally set up to do work in the space sector. So it, right, the okay. simple idea originally was to top slice research contracts that we secured from framework, European framework projects, European Space Agency, UK Space Agency, etc. Yeah. Bring those to, let's say, universities, but it could be other organisations. Okay. Uh, and the original goal was to bring those in, top slice a management fee, you know, and, and, and there we go. But they were actually, we started to do some more of the technical work in there as well charge a bit more we started to bring some of those projects in-house and actually start doing them as a business ourselves um, and bring in a few experts that we needed to Um, so that was that was a great learning experience for me I remember within the first month or two of work just flying out for a meeting with some European space agency guys I don't know Paris airport or something just I I was I don't know what age I was 24 25 fresh faced out of the PhD clearly knew everything yeah right um and goodness knows I look back now with genuine embarrassment Uh, well yeah I I think that about all all parts of my life um, my life is kind of punctuated by every five years realizing that five years ago I knew absolutely nothing like and the embarrassment that you feel from from the things that you said yeah yeah Yeah, comes with the territory of being opinionated indeed but But again the the challenge there which again I'm not going to name the business they're two wonderful guys we had a a great time together it I had a different opinion of how to where I wanted to take the business. So I was interested in developing products and services. Okay. Um, and they had more of an interest in keeping that business ticking over, doing that institutional uh, money, you know, and doing some of those R and not R and D, but I guess big projects looking at the market opportunity for, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. Um, okay. And so eventually I ended up uh, selling my shares back to them. We parted ways and interestingly, they're still going and they ended up focusing on developing products and services into that satellite space. Right. Okay, um, okay, and, so. you know, growing the business and who, who could believe it? Um, and, and so that's what they took, but they, they, they took a few more years to get there and uh, I'd already yeah. parted ways with them by that stage. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so if we think then about um, the journey of that that business and mm. how IP related to it, you said that at the mm. time you didn't really you didn't really have much of a clue about IP, which I think is probably something that quite a few you know tech entrepreneurs yeah. could relate to. Yes. I think it's a complicated yes. world anyway, and you mm. you kind of earn your stripes yeah. through scars that you get uh, along the way. Um, but if you so how how did IP how should IP have related to that business how how would you have sort of used because it sounds like you I mean if I've understood correctly you you're looking at projects that have got European funding for them mm, and you're mm. sort of check, picking those is that right yeah. and then then bringing them into the university yeah. to start working on them yeah in, in and, and some of that was business analysis so what is the market size for satellite system yeah. a or b yeah. um yeah. and and there might arguably a bit of ip there's certainly some market intelligence in there that you could yeah. leverage yeah. um the fun stuff was then getting involved in some of the more technical products sorry projects yeah. where you're developing or exploring early stage product so yeah. that could be software it could be hardware it could be the application of something um yeah. and looking back now you think would there be ip in there goodness sake of course there would be <laughs> but no but it, this is i mean it was not that long ago it was it, you know late 90s whenever it was you know I'd never had any training and there wasn't training at that time for PhD no. students, et cetera, in even what intellectual property was in its broadest sense, what it meant an no. understanding of it. There really wasn't there. Um, yeah. And so I did not have an awareness of the mm -hmm. different types of IP. I did not have um, any understanding of how we might in that business be strategically thinking about and having strategies around yeah. IP as a business. It yeah. really was a lot more ad hoc and oh there's an opportunity and like kids under eight football team running over and grabbing that contract and then oh there's another one over there you know, it's um i mean great in terms of i had to work out how do you go and communicate with someone how do you sell something how do you actually deliver yeah. contracts how do you manage things how do you get suppliers and other people to be involved in your work lots of great stuff um but i think the business could potentially have diversified uh, into that product and service space quicker with a clearer strategy if we had a better head around what is IP, which yeah. bits of it do we think are valuable to what we're trying to do as a business and where could we go with that and what could we actually do to enhance our value, um, yeah. differentiate ourselves. Um, you know, none of that happened. It, it, I, I suspect, strongly suspect, if I don't know, it's, it's happened since, um, yeah. but that was you know, 20, 25 years. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's uncommon. Even now, I think, you know, 25 years on is your average first time tech entrepreneur, any better clued up on IP? I don't know. I mean, you'd have a, I mean, if we skip all the way forward. Yeah, to where come you forward are now. to now. So I think some of it is better if folk choose to engage. So yeah. I think there is far more information available. I'm not saying it's right. Um, yeah. If someone wants to find it. So guess what? There's podcasts, there's YouTube yeah. videos, there's, there's a variety of materials available. Yeah. At universities, or certainly the ones I'm aware of, um, most PhD students now, certainly in the science and engineering spaces, as, as far as yeah. I'm aware, do get explicit training or insight into intellectual property, which we never had. Okay. Um, yeah. And so many of these folk are studying not just a three-year PhD, they're doing a four-year PhD now, um, where much of that first year is picking up yeah. key skills. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, a little project I've got at the moment with um, four of the largest food producers in the UK is, mm -hmm. and Camden BRI as well is 28, 30 PhD students over the next few years will be providing training to the students, their industrial supervisors and their academic yeah. supervisors about commercializing ideas, you know, de-risking ideas. We'll get IP experts in, hopefully, to help signpost yeah. to them things to be thinking about as they go through that journey. So they will finish their PhD I would hope if they engage with it in a far better position uh, yeah. than 
folk like myself 25 years ago did. Yeah, I mean, I think, but it comes back and it made me think as you were talking about that, coming back to what we talked about earlier, which is how much can you learn this stuff in the classroom? Because yeah. often, okay, even if you've got the theory and you sort of know what to do, and I'm interested to think about that first business and maybe all the businesses that you've mm. been involved in. One of the challenges that you see all of the time with early stage businesses is not just knowing what to do. That is the first mm -hmm. challenge. Mm -hmm. The second challenge is, then is where does that come on the list of priorities in terms yeah. of your, yeah. your bandwidth? Yeah. And then where does that come on the list of priorities in terms of your cash and, yep. and the money that you've got in the business? And trying to balance that, can you teach that in a classroom or do you just need to sort of feel it as you go along? No, I think you're exactly right. And that, 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 that's absolutely right for any of these, of any size business, particularly the smaller ones, particularly the startup ones. Yeah. Is this in top of those priority often? You know, I'm yeah. just scrabbling around to get that next contract that pays the wage bill next week. You know, and yeah. that's my obsession. I haven't got headspace and time to be worrying about all this other sort of stuff. Um, so I think with a degree of commercial maturity comes the awareness that you ought to be prioritizing it. Yeah. And that's certainly something I've experienced personally uh, yeah. over the journey so far. Um, can you teach that in the classroom? No, and I don't try to. I'm not an expert in patterns. Yeah. I know that we've got experts like yourself that we could call in who yeah. increasingly nowadays, and this is a key point, are potentially providing support that doesn't require, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds up front just yeah. to get through the door. And that's yeah. a really key point of difference that I think is different now to yeah. even 10 years ago, let alone further okay. back. Um, so no, all we do is so I run a final year module for perhaps two or 300 students from across the university. It's called yeah. uh, Technology Entrepreneurship in Practice. And so there's no exams in it. It's all practical based. I bet um, it's popular. No, but it is. For those who engage with it, it <laughs> I is. Checking. No exams. No exams. No, but for those who want to engage with it, it's great. But you get a very bifurcated yeah. feedback on it. For those who mm. don't read the module outline properly and don't understand what they're getting into, they find it very stressful. Because okay. in microcosm, we intentionally take through like you know in 10 weeks or 12 weeks a bit mm -hmm. of a journey you know here's some building blocks so signposting about financing marketing ip you know some of the key bits yeah. that they ought to be cognizant of and then they have to do a quick individual assessment or something but the main work is working in a team with people they've never met before to yeah. look at an early stage business idea that we give them so they don't have to come up with that we give them that yeah. um and what's the business plan and so by the end of the module they have to pitch to us as a panel and we get external venture capitalists and others in as well to make it as real as we can Great. Um, and they have to pitch their idea and they we treat them as if it's for real so they have to be able to answer as a team judged as a team marked as a team because guess what yeah. that's what happens in the real world um <laughs> what's your plan what's your strategy how are you going to do it and so we get in ip firms to help with that because i'm not going to pretend okay. that i can advise and i'm not yeah. going to pretend that that module will make them you know the world's best entrepreneur by next week but it does try and weight some of these things more equally and say that all of them should be part of the mix if you're going off to start a business or think about doing something yeah and it's but it's got to be appropriate appropriate for the business and appropriate for the budget yeah. and the resource um, yeah. and that's the thing and i mean so often and I, I you know i do this myself but so often ip service providers it's our world, right? IP yeah. is out. So we think it's like 100% important and it's that you should definitely be doing this. Yeah. But then you try, you've got to try to sort of understand. And I think actually starting my own business has given me a much better appreciation of, yeah. because I sort of think about the service providers that I engage with. And I think about all the different things that you're trying to deal with on a daily mm -hmm. basis mm -hmm. within within a business when you're the sort of 
yeah one of the one of the key focal points um and i think well what i'm talking to to my clients about probably would fit into a similar uh, yeah. framework for them right? yeah and this but, is why we'll often advise to outsource at the early stages some of these key professional support functions yeah so there's very few startups that would want to fund their own in-house ip team I and mean, i can't Definitely see it happening not. you know yeah. but that's the point you don't it, you wouldn't um and it's no. the same with accounting it's the same with you know a lot of the professional services and so when they're putting their cash flows together we'll be strongly encouraging them to have a line in there that says i'm going to need access to whether it's a bookkeeper or end of year accounts or somebody yeah. who can advise on IP or whatever it might be, some sort of legal support for contracts here and here. Um, yeah. So making sure they consider that in their cash flows, that making sure they consider mm-hmm. that as a core part of what they should be planning for. And if they can't afford yeah. it, if it doesn't work, we send them back to think of it again and, and to work up that business plan again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of outsourcing. I, I mm. do it a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole different conversation around how it changes the dynamic to employees mm-hmm. as well. When you've got an outsourced mm-hmm. professional, yeah. you're their client, whereas if you employ them, you're their employer. And that's a completely yep. different relationship, right? Which, Absolutely. Uh, and I prefer the former to the latter at the minute. Yep. But, um, so so if we think about so in, in that business, and if you can sort of generalize to sort of mm. early stage businesses struggling with cash, do you think you'd have a, a thought looking back and reflecting on the entire journey? Mm. What would you have said to David Park 25 years ago around IP mm. that would have been important what do you think are the sort of the key things to try to get in place? So I think one of the key things which is available now might not have been then is to make use of the free resources that currently exist Yeah. to just get a better understanding of what this thing is. What is, what yeah. is all this IP stuff? You know, yeah. because whether it's podcasts or things through chambers of commerce, there's, or, a, lot there's a lot of support yeah. out there and the initial bits of it are free or yeah. 100% available, where you can yeah. go and just get, right, I've got that initial intro as to whether it's relevant to me or not. Um, yeah. I would have had a much stronger word with myself about trying to get a strategy, even if we consciously chose to then not try and develop hardware or software or whatever it might be, yeah. that as a conscious choice is fine. For us at that yeah. stage of the business, it may well have been completely yeah. relevant for us not to do it, but yeah. we never consciously planned that really it was um and so it was looking yourself in the eye 20 25 years ago and saying get up to speed within an hour or two with some free support about what all this stuff's about yeah do an initial plan and if needs be pay that person a few hundred quid or whatever is required to just come and do a facilitated bit of work with to work out where you are ask you those tricky questions that you might not know to ask yourself but they should if they're the right external person coming in they should be able to guide you through that yeah getting the right person is the right person um and that comes down to you know whether it's online referrals or you know credibility because you've done it before or introductions from a trusted partner um badge of quality from someone i don't know but getting that and just within that period you should then be able to say okay it's not for us now or even just all of the broad spectrum of IP, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I'm probably not going to be able to do it now, but you know, it's not just <laughs> blimmin' patents. Stop obsessing no. with the patents. But there's a, I mean, we haven't, we haven't yet talked about investment and mm. securing investment and maybe yeah. in second and third business. I mean, yeah. I am yeah. keen to get into the sort of, because yes. I think you've got some licensing experience as well. Yeah, yeah I've got licensing on, experience, on you know, and raising millions yeah. of investment based on the IP position in part. As so well, keen, so. keen to get in into that. Um, but there's sort yeah. of, I guess, um, that 
What were we talking about? I was going to say something. <laughs> something insightful. It will come back as you start to as you start to talk. It will come back, and I'll go. Oh no, I've got it. I did it on the call just the other day. Uh, never mind. Never mind. We can we can move on to something else. Um, yeah. So we'll leave my twenty five year old self behind. Yeah. You know, yeah. wallowing in his lack of knowledge and willful ignorance um, yeah. about all of these topics, which we still had a business that traded and it generated mm-hmm. a profit. So yeah. you know, at one level, you could look at it and say. Well, the business was going, it was ticking over. You know. And this is something people say, say, and this is one of the reasons why I think IP can get bumped down mm. down the list. I've just remembered what I was going to say. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> we've, we've moved past it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just proving to everybody that I'm trying to prove to everyone that I'm not going to see an aisle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, people, people often demote IP down the list of things because it doesn't seem essential. Yeah to make money it doesn't yes. seem essential yeah but the way i often think about it and it's is it's a it's similar in some respects or can be similar to uh, paying for insurance hmm. it doesn't feel like a priority yeah until the day that yes. you wish you'd you wish you'd come back priority back. yeah so again last point on that business because i think we can move on to some more interesting yeah. future developments that, that build on what you've just said there but could we have developed grown that business made it more profitable quicker there's a number of bits we could have done i think in hindsight yeah if we had had that mythical creature from the future come back look us in the collective eye and say yeah think about this undertake yeah. that consciously do that um, would it have worked? I cannot guarantee it. None of us can, but I think it would have weighted the dice far more likely to have grown faster and more profitably yeah. and with a clearer strategic direction as to why we would. Yeah. And conscious decisions is something I talk about a lot uh, mm-hmm. because that that's the important bit is yeah. it's okay to do nothing yeah. as long as you made that decision rather than it yeah. just happening 100%. because you didn't know what you were doing. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So should we move into the next one? This was in New Zealand. Yeah. So a bit of an interregnum, a couple of kids in between all this, various other bits and bobs. I was playing with universities for a few years, um, you know, supervising PhDs supervising amazing PhD (laughs) students I mean God knows where they end up but (laughs) um, there was a a handful of decent ones anyway Um, but but again that's a sidebar is any business and it's a separate podcast I suspect should be linking with universities so Mm -hmm. agnostic about where that university is but probably more than one of them and so I've always consciously tried to blur where I'm working is it at a university is it as a business is it something that's in between the two that ability to communicate and engage between dare I say it the real world and the world of academia is a very rich seam that is not mined by the majority of businesses and it's interesting you're right that it probably does warrant sort of a conversation or all of its own because there's quite a few people out there I've been hearing a bit about this recently that sort of that feel that universities with their approach to IP especially towards spin outs yeah they're not helping the situation because yeah. of the way they're they're sort of they're no. approaching it and the way they're being quite aggressive about ownership of the IP. Some are, some aren't. But again, this is slightly off piece, but it's not. That many universities, I'm treating the whole sector across the planet as one, of course, which of course it is not. Um, <laughs> universities are pretty good at teaching people. They're pretty good at doing some blue skies research. That's yeah. their core business. Um, they, with varying degrees of success, have an interest in delivering impact from that research in to the real world um how they go about doing that is under a variety of ways. and yeah. most companies don't think about this consciously most companies i'm talking you know corporates not just smaller micro smes you know yeah. businesses of all sizes um could do more i was talking to a FTSE 250 size company today 
Um, and they were saying, oh, wow, I didn't realize we could. Or, ah, right, okay. you mean you also do. And so there right. is always more where the right relationship with the right universities done in the right way could mm -hmm. absolutely benefit a business. So that's a separate discussion, I suspect. It's it way is. bigger than, you know, the IP journey we're talking about today. But I think for, for perhaps folk who are listening in, it, there, there is a, a rich seam of something to explore there, I suspect. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, we'll get your contact details and put them out anyway. <laughs> People can can get in sure. touch with you, David, after the show. Yeah, sort of absolutely. And, but I do think there's another conversation in that. And yeah. you're clearly a future friend of the show. So on it, on it. So, uh, yeah. So where are we? So midlife crisis. Let's pretend I'm 30. Maybe I was a bit older. Um, quite <laughs> fancied going back and setting up my own company. Um, mm -hmm. I could tell you the true story that I told the investors that I ended up getting three million off. Or I could tell you the real story about why I ended up in New Zealand. Which do you want? Uh, I don't know. Which one's juicier? Well, they, neither's really juicy. I, I like wine and rugby. <laughs> and so, I, and I'd seen Lord of the Rings. And so I, I thought... New Zealand you know, seemed like the perfect New place. New Zealand like, seemed like the perfect place. Um, so joking aside, the, the areas of technology I was interested in exploring, which were pretty advanced technology to do with positioning and imaging systems, integrating yeah. those together, robotics mm. and UAVs and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, that whole geospatial space as it was called back then i you know i approached the new zealand government and various other organizations and basically said look i think this is going to be big in the future your country is going to really need expertise in this space and i think yeah. there's there's a gap um and i'd like to fill it um can i have 50 you know and <laughs> once we'd worked out that i wasn't making it up and there was something credible there and we'll come back to that yeah. something credible there because it is rooted in ip a piece okay. of ip um yeah it took 18 months in the end because you know and ended up raising three million um putting a small team together, moving down to New Zealand, setting up the company. Um, and yeah, and it, and it grew successfully a couple of years. Um, again, I didn't see that global crash coming, 2007, eight. So right, okay, so it was just around that time. Knackered yeah. things yeah, okay. nicely, but 2005, six, it was, it was a grand old year. Um, yeah. As a conscious activity by that stage. So it was less by chance. This, this didn't happen by chance. Um, I'd approached a, a local university that had a piece of intellectual property at PhD level. So okay. it wasn't a product. It wasn't something that you could sell. But yeah. it looked really interesting. You could see the potential for it. Um, okay. And there was credibility in terms of a pipeline of future IP around that technology space as well from this group okay. and, and from this university. And so part of the deal that helped raise that money, it was an explicit core part of the pitch, um, yeah. was we were bringing this IP to the table okay. uh, that we owned, that we could commercialize. Uh, yeah. and develop products, develop services, and help others in country, it turned out, okay. uh, to develop their own products and services. Uh, but also that there was this potential pipeline that either that university or this new company might be creating. And so okay. I remember lots, because the time zone difference is always 11, 12, or 13 hours from UK yeah. to New Zealand. Oh, I mean, it does, it, you can't change the world. <laughs> and so, so many calls with various legal people trying to yeah. get the clauses in the shareholder agreements and everything else around sure. foreground and background IP and developed. I can't even remember all the phrases, but yeah. there was a lot of nonsense, rightly so, uh, about who was owning what, who would own what, who could commercialize what, uh, yeah. if if we actually did our jobs and came up with something exciting. So, so who were the? So let's talk about that that agreement mm. then a bit. Um, and you know, we don't need to to name names or anything like mm. that. Um, but it's sort of so. What what were the parties involved who where did the ip originate um was it sort yeah. of was it so was it the, in, protected in any way or was it unregistered or no so and this was part of the fun so okay there was no protection on what was coming to the table you know 
it was here's a here's a floppy disk. It wasn't a floppy disk, but here's here's a here's a piece of code that does <laughs> a thing. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That long ago. Um, so that that was coming from university. The, the, there was myself involved. There was the funder, uh, and we ended up working through a single vehicle for that in the end. And then actually a university down in New Zealand. And was the funder private, or was it sort of? Yeah, public money. Public um, money. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the route for various reasons that we chose because the, the business, the goal of the business in part was to actually provide an underpinning source of expertise yes. to help the rest of the country. So businesses, sure. other organisations, research organisations, state-owned organisations to develop yeah. themselves in this particular space. Yeah. Um, and so that was the route we ended up taking for that. Um, and again, that's that's a broader piece. You don't always have to go down a traditional business angel or VC route to raise millions. Yeah. Mm. Um, it is possible to realize what your personal goals are. So I had some goals for the business um, mm. and, and they were realized through that action. And so I worked out, I'd need this many people and this much budget to do the sort of thing I envisage yeah. doing. And having these partners involved gave us the best chance of. Yeah. And so you've got um, um, some software that sort mm-hmm. of did a thing. Yep. Um, and that was it, basically. So you had something written, written down. Yeah. Um, and then you're going into so so that was was that owned by by your the business you were putting together or was yeah so it... that was originally owned by the university but it was assigned to us and I genuinely okay. can't remember the details of this deal but the right the the global exclusive right to try and commercialize it and develop it further mm-hmm. was assigned to the new company I set up um, yeah. from memory the right then for research purposes to continue looking at and having sight of everything we did the university had sight of that and right yeah. to look at that uh, but they couldn't go around selling it themselves or selling you know it, yeah, doing it sure. anything commercially yeah. without looping us in um and obviously people are critical to this so this floppy disk worth of code is <laughs> not a lot of use unless you've got the right people to actually be able to continue to develop absolutely key point yeah where is the in where is the uh the ip where is the intangible asset mm. where does it reside and it sounds like in this case it resided largely you've got source code yeah fair enough right. but unless you can you know it's exactly. in the head of the individual right so, yeah, so exactly. therefore it's it's know-how yeah <clears throat> it's know-how and so that was part of the deal as well which partly why it took 18 months was persuading the the partners and better <laughs> halves of some of the team that I needed to persuade yeah. to come with me to actually be able yeah. to realize the vision of what we were trying to create here. Because yeah, of course. could we have done it without them? Possibly. Yeah, but not as easily, not as quickly, not as seamlessly. Yeah, um, definitely. And so it's that whole package coming together, which is what we were basically saying. Trust us, invest in us. We can do this thing. And as it turned out, we yeah. could. You know, we, we, we developed commercial software and hardware off the back of that. Um, yeah. We worked with corporates and various government organizations around many countries, um, mm-hmm. US, Australia, you know, UK, New Zealand, uh, and yeah. elsewhere, um, where our expertise in that particular niche topic and our ability to use the things we developed to take new sensors, new systems, and develop products and services quicker, it was one yeah. of the key things that w- w- turned yeah. out was a real value. Yeah, so, I mean, coming back to that know-how piece, it's something that sort of I talk to a lot of my clients about, actually, and a lot of it. Because my, my contention is that you can't really sort of, you can't manage something unless it's documented. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't realize its value unless mm-hmm. it's documented. But I'm interested to know, you had some software, you had some source code. And mm-hmm. from memory, and I know it was it was a while ago, mm-hmm. but um, you've got some source code and you've got a person yeah. who has the, the knowledge and they put together that source, source yeah. code. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think it would have been 
an easier process in terms of the foreground and background IP if everything had been sort of I mean, it was a research project, right? So yeah. it's not it's not a it's not being critical of the project no, no, in any no, way the fact. to say yeah. that it's just that's the way research goes. Okay, you, yeah. I mean, we yeah. we all know that. But it if it, if it was a more established business and you had all of this stuff laid mm. out, would it have made that process your experience around the sort of foreground background IP and putting together mm. the agreement mm. easier because you're able to sort of point to it and say, yeah, it's that 100%. stuff there. And so the other bit of fun, without trying to denigrate any of the parties involved, is that not all of them were experts in IP or or agreements like this. And so you've got a number of folk. I mean, there was legal advice, not you know, patent advice. There was experts involved in providing some of the support. But a lot of the discussions, I won't say it's the blind leading the blind, but I remember some of the knots that folk were getting into about foreground, background and developed foreground. Or I mean, I just, I, I can't remember the nuances, but I just remember it went on and on. <laughs> and you just think some of this yeah. could have just been simplified a lot sooner. They say, yeah. you get it, it's tied up, you know what it is, it's there in a bow, you get the right folk in a room to facilitate the discussion, it should not have taken that long. No, I think there's sort of, there's a couple of points I'd pick up on there about my own experiences, and that is that sometimes IP is a, a section of the law right so largely speaking but it's it's a pretty niche section of the law and just because it's part of the law it doesn't mean that all lawyers should be doing it right it's something that actually you know um there's a guy that i talked to quite a bit on linkedin did a did a a blog post about this Mm. not that long ago uh, raymond and he said pretty much the same thing is, you know, just because so a lot of times lawyers will pick this stuff up and maybe that's part of what you were, what you're experiencing is that actually yeah. sort of, and then beyond that, well, I think one of the things that can quickly turn business leaders off is that you tend to be quite, you haven't got the time for crap like that when, you, yes. when you're running a yes. business, right? So yes. what you want to do is you want to know the information, make a decision and move on. Yes. Right? But there's a tendency for legal professionals to kind of, like you say, get tied up in knots. Mm-hmm. They go around in circles and they end up down in the minutiae yeah. of this thing. And, and I think it really, really turns it does. leaders that, off. I'm nodding along here because that resonates so strongly. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I won't say the experience has happened since similar, but it, it does. We'll come back to that perhaps with the next business. But getting the right, how long do you have to train to get the additional patent and ip experience it's years of extra yeah. trading at work you know this isn't yeah. something that any old solicitor with the best will in the world can just pick up and nor should yeah. they um yeah. but again no, i know that now did i know yeah. that then did the other parties know that then maybe but did they act on it no yeah um yeah. so no if if the ip had been tied up more neatly if the yeah. right folk had been involved in advising all the relevant parties a lot mm-hmm. of it could have been done quicker um yeah. but yeah if you've whatever the IP was, without that IP and without the right person, when it's early stage IP in particular, you need both. And if you don't, you yeah. don't have anything. No, I totally agree. Um, and that process of trying to document it, just because it, when it's know-how and it's in someone's head, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it has value, but mm-hmm. you, the business can't realise it mm. until you pull it out of there, put it on a yeah. piece of paper, and then yeah. the business can manage it. It's a thing. Yes. That yes. Can manage can be yes. managed and, and yeah. that's a, a, a key part but it is yeah um definitely so should we should we move on to business number three, three or four or whatever we're up to <laughs> um yeah so long story short so we're we're now in about 2010 2011 okay. something like that so yeah. back in the uk um 
I'd lost pretty much everything in the dealing business, which is quite, again, that's a whole different podcast once I'm lying down with <laughs> therapist on hand. But no, but when you've created something, you've grown it from scratch, from a blank piece of yeah. paper, you've raised millions, yeah. you, you get 30, 40 employees, you're, you're, you know, you're making profit, you're doing all the cool stuff you wanted to do. Yeah. And then it all goes horribly wrong in a slow car crash of a, you know, 2008 yeah. into 2009, you know, and 2010, we were back in the UK. It was, it was pretty tough. Um, yeah, and what makes you get up again and, and want to do the whole thing again? Again, I mean, <laughs> because I, I'm I'm pretty sure that sort of you know there'll be people listening to this that will have will either have had similar experiences yeah. or will have um, will be fearful yeah. of that experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as it turns out, failure is part of the journey to success yeah. anyway. I mean, you know, yeah. if if yeah. you even want to call it a failure, I don't even yeah. like the word because no. I think things going wrong. I learned really, a hell of a lot from it. Absolutely, you know. <laughs> absolutely, definitely. But but what made you get up and want to start again, having had an experience? Like I mean, that? Way, and I'm not saying it was instant. So for anybody who's been through this, they might resonate. This might resonate with them. I mean, it was months. So ignoring the long, slow crash and coming back here, it took months, months and months to get my head back in the game and yeah. be back to being me again. So this was yeah. not an instant. Thing. So, it was so a bruise, you felt bru- it was a bruising yeah, sort of it, encounter. Was, yeah, emotionally right. bruising, financially very <clears> bruising. <throat> you know, mm. you, you've got, I had four young kids by that stage in New Zealand. So it's not yeah. quite this bad, but, you know, four kids under 10, you've lost everything. You've got to start again from scratch. It's, yeah. it's a challenge. Um, I mean, I, I've said before that, I mean, I'm very, very lucky to run a professional services business mm. because professional services, it's easy relatively speaking mm. to to make money fairly quickly and yeah. support your family right that, yeah yeah the truth is building a business based on your own expertise is quite an easy thing to do scaling a professional services business is a challenge yeah um but the tech businesses i've got massive respect for people <laughs> that go, because <laughs> these, to do these guys are sort of doing you know years and years and they might yeah. never make yeah. any there might be no revenue yeah yeah and it is hard, it, it, hard it's a challenge breath. but it yeah. there's a i won't say there's an ego thing but once I've got myself back in the game and family, friends, these are important things. You know, the yeah. challenges when you read what your priorities are in life. And, and yes. I think, you know, the truisms are, are known all of us. If we, um, you, you sort of, I had that hunger. I had that wish to do something. And some of it was to yeah. not be in control of it myself, but you know when you can do something. And, yeah. you know, there's just, right, what are we going to do? And so my, my radar was open to opportunity, I guess, is what yeah. I'd say. And so I was doing some work with um, the same university that, I'd taken the IP from originally and they've, they've been very good to me over the years. And I did a review of some of their spin-out companies okay. um, because I was a few companies in by that stage. I'd had some good and some bad and, you know, yeah. did a re- review and, you know, they, they had a portfolio. I don't know how many people, 15, 20 businesses. Um, some of them were brilliant. You just go, okay. yeah, that, that's awesome. Just, you know, do yeah. more of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of them perhaps needed a few tweaks. And, and you know, the, the, one of the ones that I'd looked at was in a right old pickle. And I'm not going okay. to go into details. It's, uh, I won't share that. But financial, legal, it was, you could go and look at it and say, right, that is a big risk. And so I remember okay. going to their major shareholder, which was the university, and saying, you've got to sort this, you've got to address this. Um, and yeah, you know, when you're sort of, you're in the mindset to accept a challenge. And they said, yeah. well, could, yeah. you, could you help us? Could you sort it out? Um, and so this was a business in a sector I knew nothing about that I hadn't, a team I hadn't yeah. put together myself, um, <laughs> that was months away from closure and right. default um so yeah obviously i said yeah sure yes, jump <laughs> yes yeah. how, how hard can it be um so i negotiated a, a fee i negotiated freedom to operate in terms of restructuring the board uh, you know yeah. some major decisions yeah. um and so went in it wasn't a fun process i'm not going to pretend it's a joy to do this but restructured the business pretty sharpish 
uh, reduced mm -hmm. the headcount dramatically, relocated them from where they were onto a university site because the rent was a yep. sixth of the price that they were paying elsewhere. Wow. Um, raised some cash by selling some of the fancy equipment they'd bought that they didn't know what to do with uh, yep. to give us a few months worth of breathing space. Okay. Um, and the interesting bit that became clear very soon within the first couple of meetings, I remember it very clearly. I was meeting one of their science guys, their technical. There was this piece of intellectual property where they had filed patents on it. They hadn't okay. secured them yet, but they'd gone as far as saying, there's something here, let's, yeah. let's file something. Uh, and they were working with a very large UK firm to do that, that looked interesting. Okay. Um, it hadn't been the focus of the business, so they'd been trying to do everything for everyone. And, you know, my favorite word, especially after New Zealand, where one of the reasons I couldn't save the business was I tried to do too much too soon on too broad a front. So that word right, focus okay. is something that I learned from that, that I, you know, yeah, I've, sure. I've applied ever since. Um, yeah. So I made the choice. Um, we brought a, a chairman in from the sector um, who was credible in the space to set up this business to be a food and ingredients de-risking business. To, okay build it around this single piece of intellectual property. Can, which, you, share, can you share what the, what the technology, what, what yeah, it yeah. was? The, the... It, it, I mean, it's this public information. It's, I mean, it's out there now. So it was, it was a okay. basically a, a new ingredient, um, a new formulation of sodium chloride. So everyday table salt. Okay. So yep. I'm not a clever scientist and I'll probably get this wrong. So any scientist listening, don't shoot me. <laughs> sodium chloride typically is like in, when you pour your salt out on your chips or whatever, it's like a solid yep. cu cubic crystal. Okay, And it's, I don't know, however many hundreds of microns on a side. Yeah. Um, and the, the team had worked out a way of basically doing a clever process, and that's what the pattern was around, yeah. um, which could turn that into a hollow sphere that was only perhaps 10 or 15 um, nanometers across. Right. So okay. uh, it was close to being a nanoproduct. And so for applications, for most applications to do with food, you only need the outer shell of sodium chloride. And the stuff, so for taste, for some of the chemical okay. reactions, you only need that outer shell. And so on that solid cube of crystal of sodium chloride, most of it just gets swallowed down and absorbed and causes your heart problems and all sorts of other stuff. Okay, so you can use less of this. So this stuff, you get less for various salt. reasons, dispersed better. And in some of the tests on some of the food products, you could reduce the sodium level by up to 80% without any adverse impact right, okay. so on you can taste or shelf see. life or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Um, and it was a surprising thing it was novel you know it, it, and yeah. so that looked exciting and mm -hmm. if you go back a few years go back 10 15 years you know there was absolute appetite um to reduce sodium levels of in course food. yeah um course. it's it's off it's the radar still... slightly at the moment but it's still there and again one of yeah. the interesting bits as a sidebar is once you know your science and what your claims are the food sector at the time, and this might have changed, so please don't quote me on this, to get a reduced salt claim on your food packaging, you had to reduce sodium, I think, by perhaps 25%. Right, okay. And so actually, if we could reduce it by 75, 80%, you could, somebody taking this off your hands knew that they had two or three bites of the, the cherry there. They could reduce yeah, it, yeah. get the marketplace, then do it again, you know, get, yeah, get, okay, get yeah, the yeah. new claim out there, etc. So all of that came from the trials, the science, the evidence. Um, so long story short, turned the business round, I'm shortcutting around 12 or 18 months of work now, which was quite hard work, but with yeah, professional advice, got, got the patents in the US and that was an accelerated okay. patent. So we managed to, sure. I can't, can't remember what the process was, but we managed to get some accelerated way where we basically had interviews and various other things. And yeah, okay, you know, yeah. That, that we got that through, got it in a couple of the other key territories as well. Yeah. Um, had a beauty parade for the product and various FTSE 100 and large corporates were saying, yeah, that looks pretty good because by that stage we could make it at scale. Uh, we had the science, we had the pattern, okay. uh, we had clients who were credible, and these I won't name, but credible related clients around the world. Yeah. 
giving us repeat business and saying they want it. Um, and yeah. so long story short, we ended up licensing it to a FTSE 100 company for a, a reasonable figure. Um, yeah. The details are confidential, but, you know, for a deal of that size, you could imagine it'd be, you know, a seven figure sum rather than a yeah. five figure sum. Yeah. You could imagine that all sorts of other deals might be put around that that core deal. Um, sure. And so that gave us um, confidence in the business. Um, it gave the, the shareholder, the potential board, uh, potential staff, um, potential partners who were developing their own ingredients or food-related activities to yeah. say, okay, so you have gone in as a business. You've taken this intellectual property that was invented at a university, taken it through a gated process, the, reducing yeah. risk at each stage, licensed it off to a FTSE 100 who are now selling it globally. That's the dream, right? I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> can, yeah. now, copy and paste, you know, Box ticks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Box ticks. So what, what I'm interested in, and, and I appreciate that some of the details will be sort of confidential and mm. things like that. I don't want to get anybody into any, any trouble, mm. certainly. But so for a lot of clients that I talk to a lot of people in this space, mm. there's getting IP yep. and then there's commercializing IP. And there is this chasm oh, in yeah. between yeah. that is yeah. like, right, how how do I get from this point over yeah. to that point? Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the beauty parade. You mentioned sort of um, ha- already having it, being able to, you know, produce it at scale, yeah. already yeah. having customers. Yeah. What would you say were the key steps in getting? Yeah. So you had the IP, right? I mean, yeah. that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, but then actually commercializing it and making some money from it. What are the key steps in that in that chain? So the risks and the challenges, it oh, takes longer than you'd like. It costs <laughs> proper money that you're burning through. You know that feeling where you know that money in your bank account is going down and it isn't refilling because you're still doing a trial or yeah. the trial gets compromised and you've got to do it again or supply gets damaged or uh, don't underestimate. That's what I'm saying. I'm shortcutting 12 or 18 months of yeah. a hell of a lot of work by some really great people. Um, and a lot of stress Um, for me and again this is my approach there's loads of ways of doing this but there's two parts one was putting that gated process in which was very simple so the whole team knew what was going on our external potential partners knew what was going on the board everyone involved said right here's all the gates coming in at gate one is some ip where i've done something once in a lab or you know it's been done once in a phd student or you know something really basic um and gate five when it's left there you licensed it to a FTSE 100 millions. Yeah. You know, and ballpark for me, based on my limited experience, you know, 3%, 5% max of gate one will make it out of gate five. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. it's recognizing that it's a numbers game. Yeah. And a lot of boards, a lot of some of the investors, a lot of universities, a lot of larger organizations can't deal with that risk and uncertainty. Yeah. Um, which is why personal view start spin out companies companies that de-risk ip sitting between places like universities and places like FTSE companies i think is the right way to go about it um who who can deal with that who can cope with that uncertainty um the other bit was working out if my target is to license to a FTSE 100 or a fortune 500 or whatever it might be they all have some form of open innovation team now i'm probably going to be okay so this is how you access businesses so did you sit down and think okay who could we license this to? And then you pick yeah. and then you approach them. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. it's quite a conscious strategic choice. Um, okay. And if you come down to it, I'm making this number up now. This is not a true fact, but how many large companies actually sell food and ingredients to every country on the planet? There's only a handful. Yeah. So you can yeah. actually identify those. Yeah. And you can say, right, well, if we're developing this thing here and we know it's going to go into that sector there, but we believe it is, there's a whole separate piece to do with 
we didn't end up pursuing it, but there was a thought at one point we can encapsulate drugs and various other things inside the hollow ball, and okay. it could be a delivery yeah. mechanism for other stuff. So, sure. um, yeah. in terms of some of the agreements, you know, some of that stuff was kept away. But, you know, they only had use for okay. a certain application. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can know where you're targeting, and it could be a, literally a handful of businesses. And mm -hmm. so they will tell you, look, it's usually called open innovation, but it might be called something else, but they will have ways where they want earlier stage, more risky IP to address Absolutely. their business needs. Right? Because and larger they, businesses struggle to innovate, right? So they buy in the innovation, they, right? They so want somebody, the... their ideal dream, somebody's de-risked it. You know, yeah. we know it can meet this business need. Talk to them, work with them, work out what you would need to do yeah. to, to prove it. And they are almost always funded by that business to be almost an effective partner with you. And it stuns me okay. again that more companies don't do this that I chat yeah. to. Um, because I'm not saying it's always going to work, but if you're looking to weight life's dice a bit, you know, if we're looking to increase the chance that this might be successful, yeah. have a clear internal process yourself, which has some sign-offs, has some gates, has some sort of process that says, all right, what's the logical order to reduce this number of great ideas or pieces of IP down to the ones that will actually make us millions? Yeah. We can talk about that at some point. If you know where it's going roughly at the end, talk to them about what they need talk to them about yeah. what evidence they would require and so it became very clear from okay. those discussions that more than one multinational client buying this product at this sort of scale and we're not talking thousands of tons here we're not talking a kilo but we're not talking vast amounts yeah um and the patterns prove they, it sufficiently for yeah. them yeah. yeah okay um and again it might have changed but a lot of those open innovation groups go straight into c-suite straight into main board yeah yeah yeah. Um, so there are what, what do you think is the hook for those guys? I mean, because I could, I could just let me, I could just send an email now. I could just sort yeah. of say, I've, I've invented whatever, yep. you know, time yep. machine, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're going to say, Three hooks, Steve. Yeah, of course. Right? So, what, what's the what's the difference between a, a pro, an approach that might be futile, and what do you think, in your experience, it was that that made them interested in you in the first place? You know. So. A, we had a potential product, let's be careful, because we hadn't fully proven it at that point, that yeah. absolutely aligned with what their business goals were. So they knew yeah. there was a massive demand, a global pull for a magic silver mm -hmm. bullet product that could reduce <coughs> sodium levels in foods. Yeah. So, okay. so, so, they, so Time, timing, absolutely. Outside of your control to some degree. It is, you know. but you can... But that's part of your gate, isn't it? So yeah, one of the early sure. gates is what's the environment you're operating in? If I've got yeah. five pieces of IP and one of them is the big issue du jour and it's going to be for the next three or four years, is does that get weighted more than the ones where we can't see where sure. it would go? And can't, you know. So you can yeah. control that to an extent. You can't control yeah. what the world is trying to worry about next week, but, but you can, can be cognizant of it. And you, yeah. yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> um, so understanding what they wanted. And so building that into the gates, building the evidence that we needed to convince them. Um, was a really key stage um, and partnering with them so they are funded by that business that's really and... interesting that bit is really interesting that they'll actually help you achieve yes. what they would need yes. from you 100%. in order to make it work and this isn't always the case but many of them are linked and almost have the same people in as their investment arms so they yeah. often have uh, almost a, a a small vc arm some of these open okay. innovation groups and so they can often come in to help fund the next stage or two and mm. help steer that development so that if it makes it through that business yeah. perhaps has the first opportunity first refusal on it or something um to then yeah move and, into and that's business. an interesting point was there any competition at that stage you mentioned the beauty parade but was there any mm. competition at that stage did you approach a few open yep. innovation yep. yep and were you yep. engaged with a few yep absolutely yeah okay um, right. and so again i'm not going to share the details but they each no. offered a different commercial deal 
Okay. And so that's then up to you as a business to work out, do you need more cash up front? Do you want more in the tail? Do you want yeah. something else that isn't cash? What, what is it that you want from the deal? Yeah. yeah um, okay. and, that, and that's partly why we chose the one. Excellent. I'm conscious and I'm looking at, I think, you know, two middle-aged <laughs> men like us, we could gas on about this all, all, all evening probably, but, um, but we should probably look to sort of wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, to wrap things up. Yeah. I, I, I guess we could sort of, I could put you on the spot a bit, I suppose. Mm. Um, and just ask you if you were sort of if you were talking to the just directly to the to the listeners, what would you suggest is the sort of and, and actually you do this, right? You do this in your current role where you mm-hmm. talk to exactly <laughs> these types of people and yeah. you tell them the yeah. sorts of things that they should consider in an yeah. order, you know, just three yeah. things that actually would be the most important thing around IP, maybe not around IP, but just mm. sort of for tech businesses wanting to get get moving, what yeah. would be the things that you would suggest and say to them? Don't be afraid to focus. Yeah. And there's a whole discussion about how you choose, how you focus, what you're focusing on, yeah. what the drive, you know. So I'm not saying this is easy, but yeah. based on my own experiences and, and discussions with probably a thousand plus businesses over the last 10 years, that yeah. need and that almost giving yourself permission to focus on something, which means you are going to not do something yeah. else. I agree. The things that you say no to are the most important things. Yeah. And I heard a quote from a guy whose podcast I listened to that said, when you think you've, he was American, so he called it niching down. But okay. when you think you've niched down too much, niche down a bit further. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's really good advice. Yeah, absolutely. I would. I would that, that, that. that would be a first one. Um, there's a whole piece that I will always focus on about the importance of the right people at the right time. Yeah. Um, and so depending I know there's a, a plethora of ways. So I'm not going to try and be specific, but whether it's your core technical team, whether it's the issue we mentioned earlier on about outsourcing to the right yeah. folk at the right stage yeah. and the right type of business at the right stage as yeah. your needs develop, um, getting the right board members, the right non-execs, the right, yeah. you know, there's a whole piece there that I'm personally increasingly obsessed by as yeah. I've gone through my you know journey to date so far. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I know how to get it right always, but it's something you can consciously control that is completely in your gift yeah. to get on top of um, yeah. and so making sure you look at that you address that um, the final thing which again i know is really boring and probably everyone says but it's just become obsessed with cash flow cash flow definitely somebody said to me when i started this business businesses they, they don't go out of business because they're not making a profit they do go out of business because they run out of cash because the manage the cash zero. flow manage the cash flow. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got to particularly yeah. for uh, you know, any tech business, anybody who's trying to develop something where you're burning through money or goodwill yeah. or other yeah. on a chance that might not work out. It's yeah. it, it's absolutely something that, again, the management of it is hard, but knowing what you've got, knowing what you're spending, consciously then controlling those costs, controlling the timings, doing the best deal, that is in your control. Absolutely. So there's three things off the top of my head. That, you know. Perfect. Um, well, thanks a lot. This has been a great episode. And you're the first sort of been there done it uh, mm-hmm. episode uh, so thanks thanks a lot for coming on um if people want to contact you if anything that you've sort of mm. said resonated they want to get in touch where can they find you please yeah so um i don't know if you can put stuff when you put this out but there's a linkedin so if you look for professor david park um mm-hmm. you can find me on linkedin um yep. and currently at the university of nottingham um so yep. if you google david park university of nottingham you should better find me if not pester your good self steve and you'd be delighted to, uh, to absolutely chat to some yeah definitely um well thanks a lot um and thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you on the next episode